Whether you're an aspiring music business professional or a seasoned vet, every Thursday, the Music Business Podcast brings you the trends and tactics from some of the world's most innovative minds in music. I'm artist manager and consultant, Jordan Williams. And I'm Sam Heisel, co-founder of the music marketing and content production agency, Knox. We're not teachers. We're entertainment industry professionals, drinkers, wannabe comedians, and most importantly, fans. Welcome to the show. Jordan was cracking. I'm good, Sam. How you doing, man? I'm fantastic. I'm very excited <laughs> about this. We got Guap Dad's manager. Guap Dad's one of my favorite artists. Who, who we got? Tell the people. <laughs> Sam Lancaster. He's a manager at Township for Young Pinch. You know, like Sam said, Guap Dad, 4,000. Um, James Delgado and Quail P. So today we go through... Um, him and his production company, the difference between a production company and management and a label. Um, and I'll let you shed light on a few other things that he spoke on, Sam. Uh, yeah, for sure. So from one Sam to another, we definitely like <laughs> caught the Sam vibe. It was real. Um, I think he also dives into when does it make sense to sign with a label? Really loved the thoughts he was making with regards to the, the value of a production company. I think we've spoken about this a couple of times in the podcast is as critical of a role as management is. There is a little bit of just a, a risk to, uh, of longevity as a manager yeah. and yep. as kind of a, when an artist gets to a certain point and then they just drop their manager. That's just the, the reality of how the industry often works when, as artists are kind of rising the ranks. So I think uh, really insightful to hear about the, the structure of the production company and, and why he's gone this route and how he's been able to effectively uh, grow the business. Uh, also dive into the development story of Guapdad 4000. Now he's grown his way to where he is today and the, the collaborative effort that's made that possible. And then also I think what's cool too is like Sam has a, a recording studio that he lets his artists use. And I think just from a business standpoint, um, as an entrepreneur trying to, to help promote and break artists and uh, like just kind of centralizing and, and getting rid of different steps and middlemen in the supply chain. So just hearing his approach to, to business as an entrepreneur in the music industry, really enjoyed this. So yeah. not going to talk, uh, Sam's done for now, but we're going to tune into <laughs> to Sam Lancaster. So without any further ado, let's get into it. Sam, what's good, bro? How you feeling today? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Good. Good, man. Good to have you uh, on the podcast. You know, it's been a long time coming out here. So glad to uh, glad to finally have you on. Yes. Thank you. For, thank you for having me. I was I was nervous doing these kind of things. And then the cherry got popped uh, uh, recently. So I, I felt like I'd, I, <laughs> I, 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 owed, I owed Sam uh, me reaching back out. So he didn't think I was just a, a fucking asshole. So. I <laughs> <laughs> appreciate that, bro, and very excited to have you on, man. Uh, we'd love to just kind of like uh, start with your your, your journey. Obviously, uh, artist manager have a really cool roster. Um, own a studio. Can you just talk a little bit about like what got you into opening a studio and starting to build up your own roster as a manager? Um, yeah, I mean, it was sort of out of necessity. Um, I <clears throat> like a lot of people kind of you know dreams of being in the music business, but in the business on the, the creative side. And, you know, for a lot of people, it's being an A&R because they, you know, we all think we have the greatest ear and we all know how to find new hot artists. Um, but getting a job in a major label building as an A&R is not the easiest thing in the world. Um, and after a few mm -hmm. 
failed attempts. Like once I was already in the building at signing artists, getting the, you know, the deals done. Um, I was just sort of over banging my head and not having the control of, um, how the artist moved, how the deal was trying to be kind of finished. So I, I said, fuck it. And I went out and said, I'm, I'm going to start signing my own artists, um, manage my own artists. And one of the first things you realize you need is, is the ability to record and make the music. So, um, yeah, it was, kind of, it was pretty much out of necessity to be able to build out my own company. So a uh, quick question about that in particular, why did you decide to be a manager as opposed to starting an indie label? I mean, really just out of lack of knowledge and funding, mm-hmm. you know, initially when I was working, um, you know, interning at A&R offices and, and, and departments and stuff, um, I wasn't even aware of what a indie label, what that really means or what a production company means. Right. Um, you just, you, you've heard of right. a manager and you've heard that that's, the guy in power. So it starts with, Oh, let me manage these art. Like, you know, it was, Oh, I found this artist. I want to sign him. Oh, like who's the manager. Right. So you're like, shit, I got to be the manager. Right. Um, and then you get yourself an artist. <laughs> um, that guy sounds fucking there. cool. Yeah, exactly. That sounds like a cool <laughs> thing to do. Um, and you, you, you get an artist and you're managing them and then you have a great idea and then someone, and then you both look at each other and you're like, so who's going to pay for that? And then it falls on you to pay for it. <laughs> and then uh, very quickly you start to learn like, wait, so, and then that's when you have the realization of like, oh, a large part of what labels are is the bank. So if I'm putting up the money, yeah. I need to be a label too. And that's then when Township, the production company started. Yeah, yeah. When you talk about kind of the, the notion of a production company, I mean, it, it's definitely something, um, I mean, it almost acts a bit like a, a hybrid between a, a label and management company. Can you speak from your perspective, just kind of like defining the typical structure of a production company? I think it's something we actually haven't really div- uh, dove into much to in the, in the podcast, but I think it is a really interesting, unique model. Um, so preface, I'm not an attorney. I, I don't claim to be an attorney and there's a reason I pay for attorneys. Um, But from a layman perspective, like uh, I think there's sort of the old school concept of a production company, which was, um, you know, and back when there wasn't computers and when artists had, you know, full, full, full bands and production and producers and all these elements that were needed to even get you to the point of having a, a demo to shop to a major label. So I think kind of the initial thing for production companies was they were the kind of like the, the stop to get you packaged to then walk you into a major label to then get the full funding and push and power and team to make it happen. Um, I think what we're starting to see more and more and what, what my company is, is there's some gray area between a production company and, a, and an indie label because it does start to be like, what's the difference? Um, which is, hey, here's the checkbox. Here, here's the list with the, all the checkboxes of what a major label is going to want to see. 
right? And I can help you and provide that knowledge, experience, hands-on hourly work of development and financial backing to start checking these boxes off. Um, And then I think sort of to a degree what nowadays what I am is good enough. The artist is good enough. You got the resources enough before you know it, like enough boxes are checked where with online distribution, now things are moving. So now we're a, we're an independent label. We're now actually releasing this music to the public that we've created in here in this production deal. Um, so, so it's kind of, so, so, so yeah, so I think it kind of, it used to be sort of a place to get you packaged up and looking shiny and put the bow on you to then walk you into a building to get the money from mm-hmm. them and for like them, an incubator. like an incubator and then them release the music, them market the music. Um, I think more and more now with the abilities of the internet and, you know, certain guys that the, the TDEs of the world, the QCs of the world, um, the LVRNs of the world, like people, people in their teams just turned into being the label as well. Um, and so then you're kind of now, I think the, that period of time that a production company can be um, useful has sort of just extended, right? It used to be kind of like, you get in here, we're not doing shit, but we're getting it ready. And then we're going to a major. And if it don't work, we're out of here. Whereas now it's like, let's get things going. And as it's going, if somebody from a major label or another partner wants to come in, we can then strike a deal. But if not, the train's already left the station. You know what I mean? Right. So what are some things on that checklist that you think you look for? The first thing is, and and although nowadays it's starting to get a little bit moved around in regards to first, but it's the music, right? So making making Mm -hmm. dope shit, right? Like things people actually want to listen to. Um, and in that process, right? Like there is some level, um, at least for me, not all people, but of like skill that goes into making music. So getting, getting better producers or picking better beats, uh, writing better songs, structuring better songs, mixing better records. Have you ever mastered a record? Right. Then, kind of a and ring that process, right. right? Like what songs are we putting out? What songs are we not going to put out? And then that goes into, you know, those all, how are we going to market the records? Are we, are we shooting music videos to these? What's the cover art look like? And then for me, what I'm big on is all that is directed by the brand of the artist, right? So for me, I'm not signing an artist if I don't have a very good idea of like who this artist could be in regards to a brand right because that's going to then tell you who the potential fans are which is then going to tell you how to market to them which then tells right. you what songs you should be picking and so on and so forth i love that i'm also curious too like as you continue to to grow the business and and evolve to serve your artists in these different ways like how, when did you make the decision to also open up a studio? Cause I, I think a lot of like magic happens in the studio. I think for you to have like no cost, like to be able to just provide that as a service to your clients, big value add kind of streams line owns a lot of like the, the supply chain process, if you will. Like when did you make the decision to open up a studio and like how much of an impact do you feel it's actually had as you've continued to grow the business? 
so it was pretty early on. So, I mean, I, when I left Warner in the Atlantic system over 10 years ago, whatever, I managed an artist, the first artist, and that was probably a six, six month. It was a little longer than that, but about six, let's, let's call it six to nine months of me. I was probably fucking longer than that. So it's probably a year of me working with him. And because I'm an idea guy as a manager, right? This, this is the other backwards thing. Like people want managers, but like, what do you have to manage? Right. And so like, that's also where the production company came in. Right. Cause it was, Oh cool. You have this one song that you randomly made and that's starting to pick up some traction. We should shoot a music video to it. I got some great ideas for music videos and I know some great directors. Okay. Who's paying for it? Oh shit. You don't have any money. This has got to work for me because I'm trying to make a career out of this. I need a win. Uh, I'll front the money for that. Oh man, we should really get some more beats and some more records together. Oh, who's paying for that? Uh, I'll front the money for that. You need to record those songs. Okay. I'll find a buddy who has a studio. I'll pay for that. We need to mix the song. I'll pay for that. And then, and then, and then an artist gets his first check for $300 to perform at some nightclub and you're like, cool, man. So like, I need my $40. I need my, I need my 60 bucks from that. And they're like, oh no, man, like I'm gonna just keep that for myself. Right. And you're like, what about the thousands of dollars I've already spent to get you to the point to make a $300 check? And that's where I realized, fuck this man, just management shit. Right. So like, it was like, I need to somehow (laughs) protect my assets and my investment, which is this money. So like, that's what does that look like? That looks like a production company. That looks like a production deal. And in that, it was like, how many of these costs could I have cut if I had my own space? Right. And then you Mm -hmm. add on to it. Yep. The fake it till you make it aspect of I'm not, I'm not, not somebody that, you know, is from a music industry family. Uh, My, my best friend wasn't, didn't just Mm -hmm. all of a sudden become a famous rapper. You know, it wasn't one of those situations. So like, and I'm now not working. I don't have the, the the interscope records email or the one that a lot of people use to like make themselves relevant or make themselves seem like they know what the fuck they're talking about. And unfortunately it's really difficult to get some kid to like trust you with his dream and his life when you got no track record and you got nothing and, and, and you're not, he's not walking in to meet you at your desk at Warner brothers. So Right. I'm, a, I'm from, I'm from Oakland. I'm a finesser. Like the next best thing is like, come to my recording studio. Well, shit, it's real now. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and don't yeah. you like recording here and you don't got to pay to record here. And Oh, you're down in Los Angeles now. And like, shit, just stay on the couch for a week if you want to. Right. So like that was really <laughs> in the beginning. Yeah. That was my ability to barter and trade and incentivize people to at least stick around long enough for me to like say and show and prove that like, I might not know everything, but I'm going to work my hardest to make it happen. And I'm going to figure it out with you. And you see, I'm here every night till 4am with you. So I'm in the mud with you. So to me, it was like, 
you know, the studio is kind of a means to an end. And, and it was a way to stay relevant on those times that you were down and out. Right. When the kid, the first kid ends up going to jail before a deal could get done, actually day of the deal happening. Well, now when I call people or when I see an artist I want to work with, they're like, well, what do you do? Or who do you work with? When all of a sudden, like, you aren't worth shit because you don't have a, a name or a thing, even though you maybe have all this experience and all this knowledge and all this passion. Well, the studio is what kind of in the beginning kept me afloat from in the times that I didn't really have anything going on at the moment. Yeah. No, I, I love that too. And I, I mean, I think between evolving from management into production, into more production model, I think having the studio, I think that's good too. Cause I mean, I think that's uh like management is a competitive space. There's a, a lot of artists, a lot of random managers that are spinning their wheels, not necessarily making anything. Also like you often, so often see that like artists really start to make significant waves and then, right then is when they decide they want to drop their manager and, and level up. But I think like, um, and now if the, that manager was in a position like you had mentioned where there were like significant investments that were being made. It's like, uh, you're kind of out of luck at that point. So I think it's, uh, it's also just, uh, uh, I think the incentives are actually aligned a little bit more because there actually is an ability to kind of create more of that, that investment into the project rather than just trying to like live solely off the, the earnings up front, which might be super low. So I think super excited to see. Totally. When it comes to like, uh, I'm very curious. You mentioned that you yourself are a finesser. You you represent the the scam god himself, Guapdad four thousand. Can you speak to um, like how that relationship came about and how you ended up signing him or, or coming together to work together? Yeah. So Guap's from Oakland. I'm from Oakland. Um, and although I didn't know, he's you know he's quite a bit younger than I am, but so I didn't like know him personally um, growing up, but through mm-hmm. those connections, a close friend of mine, Chris Simmons, who um, is a very talented video director and editor um, who had always kind of, once again, from those early stages was somebody who like bought in on what I was selling. Right. Which was, I don't got a much, I don't got a lot of money to pay you for stuff, but like what I do is tight. And I'm super hands on and I'll hold the light and I'll let you, I'll convince my wife to let us use the apartment if we need an apartment for the video. But like, I just need you to help me and let's grow together. Um, and so Chris shot a lot of really all the music videos for most of my artists. Um, and he one day came to me and was like, kind of like, um, yo, I got a buddy from Oakland super fly guy. Duh, 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 duh. He's a scammer. He's got a bunch of money. Like he wants to rent a studio. <laughs> like you should let him rent the studio and you can kind of charge him whatever you want. Um, and I was like, Oh, okay, cool. That sounds good. And I'm like, what are they, what, they do music or whatever. He's like, yeah, I <laughs> mean, he, scammer, say, he's, he says he does music, but like, really they're just like going on scam trips to Arizona. And so they stop in LA and instead of like <laughs> rent, instead of getting a hotel, a hotel, um, they think it's easier to like fuck girls if girls think they're rappers. So they'd rather pay and stay at a studio than stay at a hotel for the night. <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, we want to pay double what, what we charge. Like, let's, let's do it. <laughs> um, and, and so that was really like the intro to Guap. Um, and I guess on the the backside of things, Chris was always to Guap like, oh, you got to meet Sam Lancaster. You got to meet Sam Lancaster. And his Guap always says, he's like, 
you know, if someone tells you somebody's first and last name, there's a it's a good sign that that person is someone you should really really know. Um, and so Guap and I kind of more just hit it off just person <laughs> personality wise. Once again, being from the Bay Area, being from Oakland, like there's a lot of similarities to to, to our just the way people move from out there and being here in LA, which is a spot that's um, either, you know, LA centric or a bunch of transplants. Like it was very refreshing to be around somebody that talked and acted like kids I grew up with. So we just kind of hit it off about funny guys. Um, And, and, and at that time I was, you know, young pinch, my, another artist of mine was like starting to kind of bubble and we were touring and whatnot. And then, you know, I just, I think just me being a good guy and being honest with Guap and always being really interested in kind of who he was as a person and sort of like this extra element of the scam culture and everything he was doing. Um, and actually before that pinch, when we first put out pinches music, um, I was a promoter at the time and I was throwing this, uh, put together little Uzi Vert and Playboy Cardi's, um, it was Uzi and Playboy Cardi, yeah, first tour of the West Coast. And I was able to get Pinch on as an opener. And one of the shows was in Oakland. And I was like, man, this like random white boy from the beach in Huntington Beach with long hair. Like, how is this crowd going to accept this and like take it on? So once again, being a finesser, I'm like, I hit up Chris, like, yo, is there someone I could get on this on a feature who's from Oakland, black kid, you know, make the whole thing cool. And he's like, yeah, you should fuck with Guap. Like he's popping on Tumblr and like he wants to rap. So literally like sent the record to Guap. <laughs> Guap got on the record. And then thankfully when we were in Oakland, Guap and all his friends came to the show. I am Sue was there and cool John and like the culture kind of embraced pinch. So like Guap and I were already kind of building this rapport, mm-hmm. right? Um, and a little bit of this trusted, like when I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And when you say you're going to follow through, you do it. Um, and then I randomly got a call while I was on tour with Pinch, like from Guap, like super upset and super down and out. And like, was like, oh man, like I just got pulled over. The police like, like went through my car. I had all the money on me. They took all the money. My brother just went to jail. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, I feel super lost. I've always really wanted to do this music thing, but like, uh, I, I don't know how to do it. Like, will you help me? Um, and I hit him with the like, yo, uh, you know, it already been kind of in my mind about him and just I felt like there was something really special there. Um, and the music was really dope on top of the fact he had this great personality and this great story. And I was like, yo, like I, I got a mega bus bus pass from Oakland to Burbank and there's a lockbox on my studio. I'm gone for the next three weeks. If I show up and you made some dope shit, like let's go. Um, and right. he took right. me up on it and he showed up. Dope. I wanna I wanna talk about his growth specifically, Guaps, because um when I started following him, my brother would send me his Instagram videos um of him just being the hilarious person. So I actually knew of him being hilarious and his personality a little bit more before I did uh than his music. You know, fast forward a couple years later. He's on the Dreamville album and crushes it. And now he's in rooms with people, Smino, all you know, all these people that you would consider the the next frontier of the hip hop world. What did that development look like um, from from when you started working with him to this point now, where you know people are looking for Guap Dad versus like for real, for real. You know what I mean? 
you know, the interesting part about that was, you know, back to, not to take away from Guap, but every, you, you, any, everyone from Oakland is like Guap, right? Like mm-hmm. that personality, like that ain't like, he knows how to turn it on a little extra. And he's, once again, he's a little, you know, like he's got his own sauce, but like that, it wasn't when <laughs> I've met him, it wasn't me like, oh my God, I've never seen someone like this. I've never heard someone talk like this. And then, man, maybe maybe <laughs> I could have him start making records, right? Like, it was me seeing him on Instagram rapping this song that actually was his first song we had to put it out called Scam Boy that he had produced. And I was like, damn, this is like a, this is like a Mac Dre, new age Mac Dre type beat with like a Mace, like a Mace Diddy flow. And he's spitting and it's all like, it was music, right? It was like, oh, this dude is talented as a mm-hmm. artist, right? It was just, I didn't, mm-hmm. I underestimated that the world hasn't really been accustomed to Oakland like that, right? We're such a closed off right. community. So with the, with the abilities of Instagram and stuff, it was like, I mean, literally we're on tour and I wake up one morning and Snoop, Snoop Dogg has posted Guap just sitting in the parking lot outside the door of my studio hung over like, man, I'm addicted to, to, I'm addicted to sex and tacos and Pokemon and scamming and whatever. And like the shit just went viral. <laughs> right. And so all of a sudden I show up and the dude has like 40,000 followers on Instagram and everyone famous is in his DMS. Like come party with us, come kick it. You're hella funny. Duh, duh, duh. And I was like, dope but I'm not a manager of comedians and that's not why you're here (laughs) and we need people to understand the music. So like in a weird way, that was like, that like unfortunately forced us to put out music that was not ready. His first project scam boy color was basically our attempt to like quickly change the conversation from like, Oh, guap dad, that funny ass dude from Instagram to like the rapper guap dad 4,000. Right. And so like the two ways we did that is guap got an opportunity. He shot a, um, he modeled for a pink dolphin um, campaign. And I was able to basically convince the owners to give him a billboard for the campaign. But within that, Mm -hmm. they needed to put his album, his mixtape on the billboard. Right. And so literally it was like within a week, it was like, you're about to have a billboard up on Fairfax for a month with you on it. I'm going to have it say that you have an album coming out. We need to put a body of work out so that basically we can like retarget this conversation to be about you as the artist, the rapper, the right. rapper. Now we still to this day are dealing with Guap Dad, the funny guy. Cause until you have a hit record, like Cardi B was just the like funny girl who danced who was on love and hip hop until she had a hit. Although she had been, putting out music forever um, and quality music forever. Right. Like when your personality is that big and when you're that kind of influential, it can, it, it can be a, it, blinding to people. Um, so I'm totally, I can't totally remember what your question was, but. No, it was just about his development and, and, and what that looked like kind of going from exactly what you were talking about being, you know, the funny guy to, you know, he's, He's spitting. Um, and obviously that talent, I'm sure a lot of it was already always there. 
Um, I'm sure there has been, you know, musical growth, but I would say in terms of uh, the branding, there has been like a sort of shift as well to where those two kind of coexist, as opposed to it just being like, oh, look at this person. He's funny on Instagram and saying he loves sex and tacos. You know what I mean? And kind of what that development looked like, you know? Yeah. And he, you know, there was definitely things like, you know, it was, it was putting him in the right places for him to then finesse the opportunities. Right. So right. Pinch is performing it uh rolling loud or day and night or whatever like guap you're gonna come and like here's the two bottles of hennessy from the rider like work this backstage and then before you know it it's like mm-hmm. guap meets buddy with a bottle of hennessy and it's like oh you're the guy that oh you're the guy that oh let, let's be friends well then two days later buddy invites him to the studio mm-hmm. to just drink alcohol and be the funny guy and all of a sudden Guap's in the booth cutting Shameless, the record off Buddy's album. And everyone's like, Such a classic. oh, wait, you, you rap? Oh, and you're raw? Like, oh, what we, oh, shit, what we, they're <laughs> like, hey, right? yo, yo. Right? And it, it, was, <laughs> it was getting him in with the right promoter so he can be at, I'm old as fuck, so I don't even remember what the LA nightclubs are at this point, but whatever nightclub finessing his way into <laughs> so-and-so's bottle service to then go to the after party to then freestyle in a circle of dudes kicking it. And everyone's like, oh shit, you right. Right. Like, and so before you knew it, it just started stacking up <laughs> where it was like the undertones in the music right. business was that guy guap, like really raps. And then here comes the Dreamville sessions and someone he was Guap was the last person to get the golden ticket. And I know he was the last person to get the golden ticket because the whole internet thought it was just a Guap dad scam, right? Of like, uh, and then everyone started, <laughs> and, then, and then everyone on the internet started doing the scam where they started posting their own yellow ticket. Like they got invited and it was like, <laughs> no, he actually got invited. It's just that clearly it was a, Someone at the right time mentioned the right thing to Cole to someone else, and they're like, "Shit, let let him let him if he if he can come out, let him come out." And then when Guap showed up, mm-hmm. three days later, he was on seventy records, like like mm-hmm. legitimately, like just like uh, whether it was him doing a talking on a record, him cutting a hook, him putting a verse, him do like, and then. So it's like it's he struck when the iron was hot and made sure that any opportunity he had, he like fully took advantage of and used his humor and his personality right. to not be to be non-threatening and get himself into the room, get himself into the conversation, and then deliver. That's lo- love the the depth and insight in that story and, and super fantastic. And I think it, it plays well to the intangibles of his personality as well as his talent, which I, I think is a, a very important combination because if you just over-index on one side or the other, it probably won't work that well. Uh, I think it's definitely come through, and he's definitely continued to use the, the personality and humor to his advantage. I feel like his content online is uh, – he's just got a, a very good like knack for that. Very, like the, the, the comedy comes through the screen and comes through well. Um in that vein, I'm curious, man, when, when you think about like as a production company that's kind of sitting in this like hybrid of like a label versus man, like, I mean, almost a quasi like indie label, like from your perspective, like when does it make sense to actually partner with the label? 
when you got a hit and just he said next sign the single. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I, I mean, uh, for, for for me, right? Once again, like because it's like that first six to nine months where no one's going to sign you or the deal they're going to give you is just like something you don't even want to take. With if you're around someone like me, by the time we get out that nine month period, like these motherfuckers ain't going to do nothing else really for you until you're hot and until you're moving, and so like. For me, it's and not they won't do nothing for you, but like we all know what it is. Your project manager has seven different artists on there. Like the one that's getting the the the, the priority is the one that's making the most money, aka the one that's got something moving. And like, there's no way to really make shit just move. Like things are hot or they're not. You you know how to market yourself and find your fan base, or you don't. A record label is not going to be able to do that for you. Right. Like they're there to amplify. Right. We spoke to somebody who, um, right. We, we spoke to somebody who said it's, uh, the labels there to take it to home base. Completely. You know, you, uh, you, your song got 10 million streams or organ- independently. You and your team got it to 10 million streams. They will take that to a uh, hundred million streams. And you won't be able, you probably right. won't be able to do that on your own, but like, until you're to 10 million streams, they can't take something that's at 10,000 streams to 10 million. I'm also the wrong guy because, once again, I don't have any major label partnerships right now. So, like, in a year, <laughs> when, I'm, in a year when I'm at Interscope or some shit and I'm like, fuck being independent, uh, you know, we'll, 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 uh, we'll see how it will be like, hey, y'all take, uh, Sam and Jordan, can y'all take this down? We're going to need to edit. <laughs> I, work at, I, work, I work at UMG now. Can you take it down? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Word. Well, yo, uh, want to thank you for uh, you know I, I I know we said we wrap uh five minutes ago or so. Just want we just want to thank you for for taking the time, man, and really appreciate you uh coming on the podcast and and glad that we were able to hear your story. Um, we think that the artists you work with, the very special artists, and your approach to them has been super unique. So glad that we were able to shed light on that on the podcast. No, thank thank you guys so much for having me, and what you guys are doing is is great, and it's it's you know somebody who does watch your guys' content and other uh, platforms and podcasts like you guys, like it is reassuring and informative. And I hope motherfuckers is, is listening and then aren't in the comments going cap. That's cap. Like motherfucker, if you don't take your five, the <laughs> <laughs> weak ass freestyle somewhere else with that bullshit. Um, but so I appreciate you guys. You guys are doing it. Right. That, that's what, that's, because that's what we do when people hit us in our DMs. Hey, yo, take that weak-ass shit out of here. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> yeah, exactly. Cool, that's man. amazing. Well, thank you so much, Sam. We appreciate you, bro. Man, well, that was an incredible episode. Really enjoy hearing what Sam had to say. Love the model of a production company. I think if you're a manager or thinking about starting an indie label, I think like that's the perfect middle ground. Uh, I think you're protected and get a level of ownership long-term. Um and are also able just to see a kind of clear return on any potential investments that you make. So loved him kind of peeling apart how that, that the structure and how that really works. Um, would you like Jordan? What stood out to you? Well, I think at least in my perspective, like production companies, we kind of know generally what they're for, but I'm glad that he broke down the business of what a production company is, how can it, how it can provide value to an artist and how it gives him more stability as a business person, 
you know um it wasn't just this is kind of generally what a production company is we, we get into it and we get into why it's smart to start one versus only having a management company so that was one of my favorite parts about it for sure um and just kind of get into his into his mind about some of the business decisions that he's made along the way and what that studio really did for him and finding new artists you know um, I think it's all super relevant and definitely it just provides another path that people can pay attention to 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 get into the music industry and to get close to artists. One thousand percent. Well, as always, appreciate you guys for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Peace.